3: You don't have to dip forever, you know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I've been that guy, I dipped for so long, and what would happen is I would decide I'm gonna quit. That's it's bad for me, I'm gonna quit. I'm a man, I don't need any help, I'm just gonna quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch, that didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds, I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off
1: This is the Jesse Kelly show
3: What if all the things you want to matter don't actually matter when it comes to achieving success? What if everything you think is wrong, everything you've been told is wrong, or everything you focus on is wrong? We have an awesome, awesome Monday show for you today. We got, obviously, Michael Malice on next hour, as he always is. Following hour, we have an author whose book was banned from Target. The cancel culture came for her. How are we going to approach things like that? We'll talk about that today. We're going to talk about the nuclear news cycle today. One of these theories I have. We're going to talk about this fraud stuff and Sidney Powell and election interference and what's real and what's not real. We're going to lay all that out. And we're going to talk about my established political philosophy some more. But first of all, addressing what matters is very, very, very difficult sometimes, and oftentimes it's the only thing that matters. Is figuring out what matters. Ironic how that works. My mentor in this business, Michael Barry, as he was teaching me things, we would go. I, I, I've only been doing media a couple of years. I know that's unbelievable because I'm so good at it, but I've only been doing this a couple of years. And this didn't begin with me having a nationally syndicated radio show or TV show. This began with me sitting with, obviously, humongous radio star Michael Berry on his back porch several nights sipping bourbon, smoking cigars, and talking. And one of the things he always drove home to me was this. And it's something I tell as I try to help younger people in this business come along to this day. I tell them, because people don't want to hear this at all. I tell them, you are not an activist. Not anymore. Virtually everybody who listens to you, watches you, reads you, whatever you do, they are activists. You can pursue Some forms of activism, your show is one of the great forms of activism. If it can get people to rally towards something or change people's thinking, I'm not telling you, you're not in it to believe it anymore. What I'm saying is you're not an activist anymore. You now have an obligation to whoever you write columns for, to whoever you do a radio show, whoever you do a TV show for, and your job above everything else in the world when it comes to work is be interesting. And the problem is, and I've found this time and time again, and Michael Berry warned me I would. He said 99% of them won't get it, won't believe you, won't want to believe you. And so they'll go off and do stupid things all the time. The reason job number one has to be interesting isn't because activism doesn't matter. Believe me, we're going to go into that a lot today. You and I have got to be activists as much as possible. It's because unless you're interesting, unless they want to read what you're writing, watch what you're doing on TV, listen to you on the radio, unless you're interesting, you're talking to the wall. Interesting has to be items one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. Because 11 doesn't matter if you're not. It doesn't matter that I tell history stories you enjoy if nobody's listening. It doesn't matter that I have different views on politics and you like them or this person likes them. If nobody's listening, people change the channel. The Jesse Kelly show goes away. And that's not up to you. It's one of the weird things about this relationship. You can't do anything about that. That's all on me. Either I'm interesting or I'm gone, period. It's that simple. Thankfully, don't worry, that was not a cry for help. The show's doing very, very well. We'll have another announcement coming up very soon, but we're fine. Which leads me to our history story, our battle today. It's so hard to figure out what the big deal is, what actually matters amongst all the noise. And one of the guys historically, one of the most underrated people ever in the history of war, in the history of the world, was Philip II of Macedonia. Here's the thing. You probably haven't even heard his name. Maybe you've heard his son's name. His name was, how how do you say this? Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was great. Let's clarify something, and he's going to play a part, an important part in our story today. But understand this. Alexander the Great was great, never lost a battle, carved through the Persians like a blowtorch through butter, took over everything he touched. Woohoo! We love him, Alexander, Alexander. Alexander inherited the greatest army in the world. He inherited that army from his father. You know what army his father inherited? Crap. Not only did Alexander inherit this army from his father, he inherited one his father built from scratch. Because his father surveyed the Persian landscape, surveyed the Greek landscape, and simply thought, they're all focusing on the wrong things. All of them. Oh, they have their benefits, but... They're all worried about the wrong things. I'm going to worry about what actually matters. You see, Macedonia then and now, you can look it up to this day, is really not an appealing country geographically. And I can't stress that enough. That is no offense to Macedonians although you don't worry you know I don't worry about offending people but I met this Macedonian chick one time when I was in the Marine Corps and she was absolutely smoking hot so I don't want to offend her if she's listening Chris what what There's no offense to Macedonians but it's rocky It's cold really cold in the winter time It is not ancient times or now a wealthy nation. They just don't have the geography, resources for it. Not only did Philip build this juggernaut, he built it from a place that had no business being a juggernaut. Part of this was keeping the big deal the big deal, and part of this was Philip also saw an opportunity. Let's focus on Greece for a moment, because that's where our story is going to take place today. As you know, because you listen to this show, Greece wasn't Greece really. They all considered themselves Greek, yes, but they were very much individual city-states. A city-state, the big ones like Sparta and Athens and Thebes, who will all have a role to play in our story today, They considered themselves really their own nation. Now, yes, they did also consider themselves Greek, and on occasion, they would join together to fight off an outside force, but they slaughtered each other. Hang on.
1: Jesse Kelly Show.
3: Natural medicines and holistic healing approaches, they're known to help alleviate issues like anxiety, headaches, joint pain. You have any more of that? I've got some. I choose CBD, but the problem with choosing CBD is. So many people were trying to get in that CBD game. You can't work out what's good and what's not. And believe me when I tell you, as someone who has used it a lot, they are not all the same. Doctors Trusted CBD, they went out and researched the entire industry to find the best, highest quality. That's why they teamed up with B-Best Organics, which is made in the USA. Go to doctorstrustedcbd.com and browse all the products they have. They have lip balms, for Pete's sake. Doctorstrustedcbd.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE when you get there. That gets you free shipping and 10% off. When I say Greece was divided, I don't want you to think they had an occasional spat. I want you to imagine this. They just got done fighting wars for about a hundred years with each other. And when I get to things like Athens and Sparta, and you're going to think about Athens as great Navy and good military, and you're going to think about obviously the Spartans. Everyone knows the Spartans and how great they were. You should know. A hundred years of war, they were each a shell, a shell of themselves. Shell. They're not them anymore. Philip, he has a plan, and his plan is this. I'm going to take over the whole place. He looked at Greece And wanted to take over the whole place. Now, Philip was famously a rough dude. The Macedonians themselves had reputation for being uncultured barbarians. They were looked down upon before this time. So, Philip is a rough dude. But, funny thing about Philip. Tell me if this sounds familiar at all to anything you see out there today. Philip... Yeah, you wanted to kill a bunch of people, take control of everything. But he really saw himself as a uniter. Just look, it's better for everybody if these city states all just do what I say. That's really the greater good. I understand there's going to be some resistance to it. That's fine. We'll just kill them and get rid of anyone who disagrees. And then it'll be fine once we do that. We'll kill or enslave everyone who disagrees with me. And then look at all the peace we'll have. Sound familiar at all? The Macedonians also. It's time to do a little nerd out breakdown on their army. Because this is going to matter a lot for our story. Greek. Greek. Greece, hoplites, with the exception of Sparta. We're going to set Sparta aside because Sparta had a professional military. Their entire city state was geared towards their military. The rest of Greece, when I say hoplites, that's what they called the Greek soldier. The Greek soldier, you know this, had a shield, had a spear, fought in what is called a phalanx, a big box There was nothing but spears for coming out the front of it. Seven to 12-foot spears. Pay attention because that's going to matter a lot for our story. Seven to 12-foot spears. The phalanx, very, very, very inflexible, deadly from the front. If you could get around the sides of it, create gaps in it, It was virtually useless, but from the front, it was virtually impregnable. You can't charge it with horses. You can't charge it with infantry. It's just a wall of shields and spears. That was the Greek phalanx. However, you need to set aside the movie 300 for a moment because that was Sparta. This is different. Understand what a phalanx would look like for every other Greek city-state. It was not, not a professional army. They didn't have... Huge standing professional armies. Almost nobody did back at this time. It was very, very rare. It was a volunteer army for the most point, although a source of pride. The armor you wore, the shield, the chest armor, the helmet, you paid for it. It was whatever you bought. It was also oftentimes the difference between, you know, you'll see the light guys in the movies where they don't have it. He doesn't even have any armor. They just gave that guy a sling or a bow. What's wrong with that guy? Let me clarify. What you're seeing lots of the time is a poor guy because the poor guy would volunteer for war too But he didn't have the money for armor and fancy things. So he gets a sling. He gets a bow. The guy up there with the fancy shiny armor and shiny helmet and big old bronze shield. That's the dude with a lot of money because that stuff is expensive. Now, because they were an army of citizens. It left you with certain limitations. If you're a Greek city state one. They just wouldn't show up during certain seasons because most of these guys were farmers. Oh, you're going to war? E, You know, I hate to bring this up, but the corn is coming in that time of year. You're gonna have to postpone for a month, or I'm not coming. That's not a small thing. It was a huge problem. It's not a professional army. It's not your army. He's a volunteer. It's not coming. But The people who did show up, extremely patriotic, morale through the roof. You showed up and you were dang proud to put on the armor and the shield and the spear. I'm going to fight for Athens. They probably would not have called it fight for Greece, but you were going to fight for Thebes or Athens or any one of these other places. Athens had been worn down to the nubs in their war with Sparta. Thebes... Was on the rise. We did a show recently about the Battle of Leuctra, where Thebes had actually defeated Sparta. It had really never happened before in a straight up head to head fight. Thebes is on the rise, and let's focus on those two. Phillips looks at Athens. He sees that Athens is down, weak. Philip, he thinks he can take these Athens guys. All he needs to do is convince Thebes to either join his side against Athens or stay out of it. Now, why does Philip think he can beat Athens? Because Philip did a couple different things. One, Philip looked around and thought, well, I'm just going to get a professional army that's here all the time. I realize that'll cost money. I'll go defeat Athens and take all the money I need. And Philip gets himself a professional army. And he goes down to Thebes and says, Hey, Thebes, I would like you to join with me. And he offers them virtually everything. You can do this. You can do that. Keep your government. I know you have an oligarchy over there in Thebes. Oh, you want to keep your oligarchy? Keep your oligarchy. Do whatever you want. Look, you just come along Just don't fight against you when I fight Athens, and it'll be fine. And Thebes is considering it. Athens shows up. The envoy from Athens shows up about this exact time because Athens is panicking about this Macedonian army coming down. And Athens tells Thebes, whatever they offered you, we will offer more. The people of Athens were scared to death because they had just lost so many in wars. They knew they were weak. They'd look down upon these barbarian Macedonians for a long time, and they look up and find a professional army of them marching through, and the Macedonians were powerful. They were powerful for a couple different reasons. Not only the leadership of Philip, they were powerful because they had something called the Companion Cavalry. That's what Alexander the Great led. You see... Up where Macedonia was, it was so rough, so rocky, so mountainous, you had to have horses to get by. Therefore, you have a bunch of air fingers, quote, uncultured barbarians who just so happened to be outstanding on horseback. And they create an army of cavalry from this. Now, Athens shows up, offers Thebes the world, Thieves looks at Philip's guys, look at Athens' guys, and they think, you know, screw Macedonia. We're joining with Athens. And they ride off to join with Athens and line up their army against the Macedonians. Hang on. Philip. he loses out on the Thieves sweepstakes, and now he has to take on Athens and Thieves. Remember, we have Michael Malice coming up. He's going to have some controversial takes, as he always does. We have a censored author. We have some of the best audio I've ever heard in my entire life from New Jersey Because if there's anything good about New Jersey, one, it's the sandwiches and pizza. They really can't eat back east. Two, it's the audio clips. Gosh, Jersey people were the best. The best. Back to Philip. He loses out on Thebes. Thebes goes back. Joins with Athens. The Greeks post up in a mountain pass so Philip and his army cannot march through and go to where they want to go to. I should point out briefly, because I skipped over it earlier, I didn't want to bog down the story, but it probably does matter. Philip kicked off this war with Athens basically by doing this. He wanted a place called Pitna from Athens. Pitna was wealthy. Philip wanted it. He offered Athens a city of his own if Athens would give him Pitna. Athens thinks about it and says, I like that deal. Here's Pitna. Philip says, oh, thanks. I just took Pitna. Athens says, well, wait a minute. Where's our city? And Philip says, I was kidding. No, you can't have that city at all. Athens is mad. Okay, fast forward back to the war, the mountain pass. Philip doesn't want to take on a Greek hoplite phalanx in a mountain pass. That's where a Greek hoplite phalanx would do perfectly when you can't circle around behind him. So what he does, he distributes a letter, widely distributes a letter, maybe a little too widely distributes a letter saying, all right, I don't want this war. I'm packing up my stuff and I am going back home. Never mind, Greeks, we're going back home. And he actually starts moving his army back home. Surprise, surprise, the letter manages to find its way into Greek hands, and they say, whew, nice, lighten up, no worries. Philip promptly spends or sends his version of special forces back behind the Greek lines, destroys the people at the mountain pass. And now the Athens slash Thebes group have to line up opposite of Philip. And they do. They line up for battle and the Athenians have the high ground. Philip does not have the high ground. Philip has a bunch of great generals underneath him. But he chooses to put a young man by the name of Alexander in charge of his companion cavalry even though he had other people who were more experienced. He had other people who were more experienced. But Philip, not exactly the coddling father type. Philip was a man, though, who appreciated talents. And I would like to imagine that there was a moment, as big of a barbarian conqueror as he was, I'd like to imagine there was a moment where Philip looked at his son, Alexander, and thought, oh my gosh, this kid is really, really, really good. That had to be a cool fatherly moment, right? Then again, from the stories we hear, Philip may have been trying to kill him and Philip was assassinated later on, but that's another story entirely. Like I said, he wasn't a soft teddy teddy bear. They line up against Athens and Thebes they square off they square off there's a there's a feigned retreat from philip athens moves off the high ground and then the athenians they start to get slaughtered they start to go down a lot faster than the macedonians are going down and how can this happen i don't understand these are the Greek hoplites they never go down like this what how did this happen Well you see Philip didn't see things like everyone else saw him saw things he didn't see warfare like everyone else saw warfare Philip looked at the Greek phalanx system you know the shield the armor the spear and he could have looked at it like everyone else, including every other general, and thought, "Wow, I mean, that works fine. Maybe we can make an adjustment here. We'll I tell you what, we'll put up, we'll put more guys over here. That'll make this thicker. We'll put, we'll thicken up this line, and we'll move this here a little bit. But overall, I mean, obviously, this is how warfare is done, right?" Philip looked at it and thought to himself, "Well, if the whole object..." is to stab the other guy in the face before he can stab you in the face. Why don't we just make longer spears? You remember I told you the Greek spear, 7 to 12 feet. Philip looks and thinks, well... What if we made him 13 feet, 15 feet, 17 feet, 21 feet long? And to which people would say, well, wait a minute. Well, that's true. It's too heavy. He's going to have to have two hands to hold it. He's going to wear out. And Phillips says, oh, no, he'll, he'll be fine because he doesn't have armor either. What? Well, he has to have armor. Phillips said, well, why? They're never going to get within 21 feet of me. Why do I need armor? Not only that, picture a phalanx, a phalanx with the spears coming out the front of it and the shields all locked, right? You can see it. Maybe you have the front row. Their spears can reach the enemy. And may- maybe the second row, their f- their spears can reach the enemy. Okay, so let's we're lined up. Phalanxes are even. I have, oh, let's see here. Let's just do a rough number. I have 30, 30 spears stabbing at my guys at any one point in time. Philip has 21-foot spears. He has five rows deep, so I have 30 spears coming at me. I'm sending 90 back the other direction. What do I need armor for? You're the one with things to worry about. Philip dropped the body armor, dropped the huge, heavy shield, and simply realized, what is with all this tradition? What's with all this, the way things have always been? What really actually matters if we have to put, if you'll pardon the spear pun here, if we have to put too fine a point on it? (laughs) Ha ha ha, Chris. What really matters is stabbing the other guy before he stabs me? these athenians begin to fall and they begin to fall for another reason and i want to focus on just the historical aspect of this for a moment because it's something we all mess up in our minds i do it too it's easy to mess this up in our minds you don't you don't see it in the movies really because it wouldn't be it wouldn't be sexy it wouldn't be cinematic it wouldn't be something you would enjoy you don't even Oftentimes, except for a very a vague reference to it here or a vague reference to it there, you don't even read about it that much in books. But I want you to focus for a moment on the concept of fatigue, exhaustion. You think about like a Greek army like we're talking about today. And what do you picture? Hang on, Hogspine.
2: Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners. Jesse Kelly. Back soon.
3: Chris, I'm so unreasonably excited for this New Jersey audio. I almost interrupted the history story to play it. No, I swear. It's so good. It's not so bad, Chris. It's, it's so good. I don't, buck, buck up, buttercup. It's going to be fine. You did, I want to ask you something, Chris, because we're going to play this thing in about 10 minutes. How confident are you on a scale of one to 10 that you beeped out everything that has to be beeped out? Okay, the shoulder shrug is not inspiring confidence. All right, this is a nationally syndicated show now. See, things were things were so much easier when we were. Remember, this is shoot, This is only like a year and a half ago. We were on KPRC, the great KPRC, where we still are in Houston. They gave me my shot. I'll love them forever, and uh, because they didn't know if I could do a radio show. I'd never done a radio show ever. Ever. I'd never done one. I'd never sat down behind a microphone and gave a radio show. And Michael Berry was uh, uh, talking with Eddie Martini, who's just an awesome dude, great friend of mine here. And he's the one who decided to give me a shot. They give me a 7 o'clock at night show, though, for an hour. And I think, dude, even if he's awful, it's 7 at night. It's an hour. Even if it's a bad hour, maybe it'll be fine. And we used to just do reckless things on the show one, during one Gosh, we can't do this stuff anymore. We don't have the copyright, but they did at the time. During one segment, we played, it was a nine minute segment. We played Freebird. I don't mean we played it in the background, I mean the entire segment was Freebird. The, the song, start to finish. <laughs> oh, gosh. We can't do that stuff anymore. Make sure the words are beeped out. All right. Back to fatigue. We don't picture that. We don't picture things like hunger and thirst and exhaustion when it comes to these ancient battles. And in fact, we picture all these guys, all these Greek hoplites there. What do you picture? You picture the movie 300. Everyone has nine-pack abs and huge biceps and shoulders, and he can hold that spear up for days and that shield. They looked just like you. And they looked just like me. In fact, they were probably smaller historically because most people were smaller back then. We're talking 80, 90 pounds of gear on a, let's be generous, let's say 160, 170, 180 pound man. Forgetting about the actual weights, I want you to think about your body weight for a moment. Sorry, I know these coronavirus lockdowns haven't been kind on us. Think about your body weight for a moment and think about carrying half of that around because it's really all about the ratios on it. One of the very few, I was the world's most average Marine, but one of the very few advantages I did have was I was so long and I weighed enough. I was, I was so long. So when you're out on these grueling humps, my legs, uh, you're taking two steps for every one of mine and I have big shoulders and I was 200 pounds, 200 plus pounds. A lot of Marines are 5'7", 5'8", 160, 170, maybe Uh, A lot of them are smaller than that. Therefore, I throw on 80 pounds and you throw on 80 pounds. Those are different things. But we picture the ancient guys fighting there all day. It's Braveheart and swords and axes and things like that. Go pick up a baseball bat right now, not even an axe. Go pick up a baseball bat. Go out back in your yard. Go swing that bat 20 times in a row. Just a baseball bat, just a light little aluminum baseball bat 20 times in a row. You will be breathing hard. That's a baseball bat. That's virtually no weight at all. There's no armor on you holding you down. There's no shield you're holding up with your other arm. How long can you hold a curl of something? Now, how long can you pick a, go pick up a waiter if you have one? Maybe just a gallon of milk. And hold your arm in the curl position. Hold that gallon of milk to your chest with one arm. How long can you do it? I'm dead serious. Do it. Time yourself. Now make that a 30, 40-pound bronze shield. These guys were not all the Incredible Hulk. They were just like you and I, and exhaustion killed many, many, many men in the ancient world. You can't do that for very long. You can't stab and hold up a shield, and I'm not even taking into account what would probably be the biggest factor, adrenaline. Ever been in a fight? Ever uh, had to give a big speech at work or at school? That adrenaline feeling in the pit of your stomach? Had some kind of big competition? Ever had anything happen to you that got your adrenaline pumping? What happens when you run out of it? Exhaustion, extreme exhaustion because your body just amped up to the max and you expended all the energy you had when the adrenaline's gone, you are done, absolutely done. Used to happen to me when I would do the show, I'd get home and I'd just go to sleep. Remember, I said Athens had moved moved down off the hill they moved down off the hill and movement is exhausting by the time they move down to try to catch up to Philip in his feigned retreat Philip turns around starts stabbing them in the face again Athens can't keep the shields up they're exhausted and well the deadliest thing happened a humongous gap was created in the line. You see a phalanx can't allow gaps because it can't allow people in between it. If people get in between it, that shield spear wall becomes exposed. You get the soft underbelly of it, which are the sides of it, which are the back of it. Uh Uh-oh, huge gap creates in the line because they're tired. They can't all move. I mean, they should be okay, right? It's not like there's some superhuman beast of a war god commanding the other side's cavalry. Except this time there was. Hang on. There is a gap in the line, and now we have to briefly, as I finish this thing up today, before we get to Michael Malice, before we get to Waffle House, the nuclear news cycle, the greatest audio maybe ever on the show, allow me to finish this up by saying on the Greek side, even though the Macedonians were technically Greek, but on the Greek side, they did have something I've spoken about before called the Sacred Band. They were 150 couples, but not men-women couples. I'm talking dude-on-dude dude couples. It's famous. It's called the Sacred Band. They did this intentionally. You could only serve from the age of 25 to 30. They wanted you at your physical strong strongest. They found men of this persuasion and talked them into this because they believed They would be loyal to each other, to the death, and they also believed that you would not want to embarrass yourself in front of your, you know, significant other. And they did have, they were famously really, really good in combat. To, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, they were just really good. The gap that opens up in the line, though, Alexander the Great, in command of the Companion Cavalry, charges through the gap, as he seemed to do every other battle the rest of his career. He would wait for an opportunity and then blow through it and stomp them. He blows through the gap, eventually... They get to the sacred band, the sacred band with all the other Greeks turning, running, and dying. The sacred band, to their credit, every one of them stayed and fought and died that day at the hands of the Macedonians. And here's something really cool as I get ready, as I wrap this thing up here. Philip did unify Greece after and all that, all that was done. Philip, you know, set the stage for Alexander, but you know what's cool to this day. At that location of that battle to this day, there is a gigantic lion statue dedicated to the sacred band with no inscription. There's no inscription on it. I always thought that part was so cool. There's no inscription on it. They just, in honor of their sacrifice that day, built them a statue and just let it sit. Either you know the story or don't know the story. But there it is. And now you know the story. This battle, if you'd like to look it up, is called the Battle of Caronia or Charonia. The Battle of Caronia. It is funny. You focus on all the things that matter, that you think matter. You focus on what's been traditionally done, on what the other people know. All that really matters is getting them before they get you in this philosophy. When we talk about elections, I'm not going to spend long on this election thing today because I have a bunch of other stuff I want to get to. I mean, Stalin said it. Stalin was so great for quotes. Not so great for the 50 million people he slaughtered, but so great for quotes because Stalin. Stalin was a guy who didn't care what you thought of him. Stalin had these great quotes because he was just willing to flat out say what all the commies are always really thinking. Stalin would just tell you. It doesn't matter who votes. It matters who counts the votes. What angers me is this. I'm not mad about democrats and fraud or potentially massive fraud which we don't know yet we're still sifting through all that and i'm going to get to all that in a second as far as this sydney powell stuff trump's legal team stuff give me a second what angers me is how can republicans not see that coming Democrats cheating on elections is the history of the United States of America. Remember Tammany Hall? They've been doing this for hundreds of years. How do you look at this now and think, whoa, man, you mean they took all the mail-in ballots and they cheated? I got to tell you, if I had known, I would have done. How could you not know? That's what they do. What do you think Democrats were doing when they had a special hearing on the post office? What do you think Democrats were doing when they tried to sneak federal all mail in voting in the coronavirus stimulus bill? Did you actually think they were doing that for coronavirus? Are you that dumb? And if you are that dumb, let me ask you something. As a registered Republican, Why am I still a Republican? If that's the leadership I have, if everybody is still that freaking stupid, then why am I still here? I will not be led by morons. I will not. I'll go start my own anti-communist party. And don't think I'm kidding. I will. In fact, you know what, Chris? We're coming out with a bunch of anti-communist gear. I just thought of this because my blood pressure is through the roof this morning, and I'm mad. I'm not even kidding. We're going to start selling merch. We haven't sold merch yet. We're going to start selling anti-communist merch. I've had enough of being led by idiots, man. And I'm look, what are we left to do now? What are you and I left to do now? Whine about it? That's pretty much all we can do. Why? Oh, I can't believe I was stolen here or stolen there. Yeah, it was. And guess what? They're not going to overturn it. I bet you they're not. Stop telling yourself lies. I would tell you if I thought they were. I don't think they are. So now we're left to question it. Well, that does us a heck of a lot of good. How do you not see that coming? They're the only side that thought to lengthen out the spears? Seriously? <laughs> It never occurred to us that there may be something more important. I mean, look, I, look, I know we want to be the party of jobs. Obviously, you want to be that. Without one, you're nothing. I'm not putting down jobs. What good does it be? What good does it do you to be the party of jobs? When you're not counting the votes, it does you no good at all. And let's let's address. The election fraud stuff briefly here. I'm not spending for I'm not spending forever on this. I have a bunch of stuff I want to get to. Sydney Powell's been all over the news recently. I'm not playing any audio of it. Sydney Powell, she is the one making the most extreme claims out there. She's saying this uh, election system, the computer system, has changed millions of votes that Trump did win by a landslide, so on and so forth. You've seen 100% of the left and 90% of the right say these are outlandish claims. They're not true. No way. They're blah, 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 blah. Hear me out and hear me good. I have no idea if they're true or not. I have no idea if Sidney Powell has turned into some huge nut job conspiracy theorist or if Sidney Powell really does have things other people don't have. I do know two things. One, my friends who are my friends do not get tossed in the gutter when everybody tells me I should toss them in the gutter, and I know Sydney Powell, so that's one. Two, maybe she has gone off the deep end. I don't know. I haven't talked to her recently. I do know this. In my time knowing Sydney Powell, that is one of, if not the most intelligent human beings I've ever spoken to in my entire life.
0: For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette. Vicks and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser, ultra-thick multi-surface cleaner, no more sponges or other cleaning products needed, and Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26th. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details.
3: burden and bringing stability the foundation helps gold star and fallen first responder families as well as our nation's most catastrophically injured heroes and homeless veterans join tunnel to towers on its mission to do good 95 cents of every dollar you give goes directly to its programs donate 11 dollars a month to tunnel to towers at t2t.org that's t the number two t.org never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices our heroes have made for us